0: History of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together.
1: We prayed that he would, and I haven't seen him since. So I, I, I trust that you know he's delivered. You see, we can pray for things, and things can happen. But truly, what God wants, He wants to be Lord over everything. He wants us to have power over sin. He wants to deliver us. He wants to be king of kings and lord of lords. Even in our lives today, individually, yes, he will be the king of kings. He will be the lord of lords when he walks this earth, when he comes back the second time. But personally, in each one of our lives, he wants to be your king. He wants to rule over you. He wants to be your lord. Lord means you're submitted to his lordship. And it's a reminder for us. Amen? Amen. Back in our text, to go with that, Luke 6, uh, 46. Jesus said, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? So you have many people who call him Lord, Lord, but they're not really doing what he's asked, and they don't have the power of the Spirit working in their lives. Back in our text. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, To all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, and you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and all those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. John sees an angel. Do you notice where he's standing? Standing in the sun. I don't know if you've ever looked directly at the sun. It's not easy to see something when it's in the sun. Some say that he was probably brighter than the sun. He's just like standing there, brighter than the sun. And he calls out with a loud voice. Typically, when you hear an angel calling out with a loud voice, it means judgment's coming. Typically, that's what it means. Judgment's coming. It's exactly what's happening. Judgment's coming. And he calls the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, in the midst of the sky, and he tells them to come gather for the supper of the great God. Interesting, chapter 19, we have two suppers. We have two feasts. Remember, we have the, the first one is the, the feast of the lamb, the, the wedding feast of the, of the bride. It's our marriage supper of the Lamb. It's a feast. And for us, as the bride of Christ, we're gonna feast, we're gonna have a great meal. Those that are in this story, those that'll be fighting in this battle, that'll be on the ground, they're gonna be the meal. The vultures are gonna come, the birds are gonna come and, and eat. Do you remember that movie, The Birds? Remember that? But that's what's gonna happen. There's going to, the birds of the air are gonna come and they're gonna feast on people. These are wicked people. These are evil people. Notice they won't get a burial. Their bodies are going to be eaten by these birds. They won't get a proper burial. Flesh, 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 flesh. Six times in five verses we read flesh, flesh, flesh. These men are men of flesh that are going to die. They're men that reject the love of Christ. They're men that reject the grace of God. And because they reject the love of Christ and the grace of God, they will experience the wrath of God. God is all-loving. God is all-merciful. He wants to save all mankind, but he creates men with a free will to make a choice to accept or reject his son, Jesus Christ. These people, over and over and over again, they kept rejecting Jesus, rejecting Jesus, and there will be punishment. These are people of the flesh. That's why, over and over, I don't believe it's a mistake. The flesh, the flesh, the flesh. And it's a reminder for us to be people of the spirit, not people of the flesh. Day by day, we have an opportunity to make a choice. Are we going to walk in the Spirit, or are we going to be people of the flesh, people like everybody else? And God wants us to be men and women of the Spirit, not men and women of the flesh. You know, in your flesh dwells no good thing. You know what a powerful witness it is when we're people of the Spirit, people that are trusting in God, that are walking according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh? And the enemy's real, and the enemy knows how to trip you up, knows how to trip me up. The the enemy knows how to tempt us. The enemy knows how to, to, to dangle whatever it is in front of us, to go back to the things of the flesh. And it's a reminder for us to turn away from the ways of the flesh, desire to be a man of the spirit, a woman of the Holy Spirit, walking according to the spirit, not fulfilling the lust of that flesh of ours. Because we all have a lust of the flesh. It's there. It's a battle that we're going to have till the day we go to be with our maker. We, there's the battle of the flesh. There's that the flesh, the world, Satan. There's, there's this battle that takes place for every one of us. And, and we have to make choices. And I want to encourage you, make a choice to be a man or woman of the spirit, not a person of the flesh. Because if we're people of the flesh, we can't minister to those people that are in need. Because in our flesh dwells no good thing. Have you ever had that happen before? You feel the prompting of the Lord to use you, and and all of a sudden you're just so filled with your flesh and the the things, and you're not even, you're like, you're just, you're on empty. And you walk away from a situation, and you think, wow, Lord, I just wasn't prepared. Forgive me for being a person of the flesh. That person needed help, and I, I couldn't be there for them because I'm so focused on me, my world. And it's an encouragement for you. Listen, please Listen. God wants you to be a person of the Spirit. It can start today even. To make a choice to be a person of the Holy Spirit, not a person of the flesh, not a person of this world, and definitely not a person that's one with the enemy, the the evil that's in this world. Choose today. Be a person, a man or woman of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. What did Paul the Apostle say? I want to put this up on the screen. Paul the Apostle tells us in Romans It says, For those who live according to the what? Flesh. Set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, to be carnally minded or fleshly minded is what? Death. Isn't that true? When we're walking in the flesh, it brings death. Death to our relationships. Death to the people that we love. The separation, it brings death. That's the bad news. The good news to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Life and peace. And it's as simple as going to the cross and saying, God, forgive me of my sins. Take away this garbage in my life that I would be a person of the spirit, that I would experience life and peace. And when you choose to do that, when you seek first the kingdom and when God uses you, listen, everywhere, listen, please, everywhere you go, there can be life. Seriously, spiritual life for people. People are looking for life. They're looking for something that's real. Christ is real. Sin is real, and it must be repented of. Sin is real, and it must be delivered from. People need to be set free. And God's plan wasn't just to open up the sky and just, you know, I think Pastor Chuck Smith said this, to open up, you know, the the clouds in the sky and say, hey, I'm God, you're not, follow me. You know, it wasn't his plan. If I was God, that sounds like a good plan, doesn't it? This big guy in the sky, and he's, every once in a while, he opens it up. and says, oh, yeah, okay, we'll follow you. We'll follow you. I see you. That's not his plan. Listen, his plan is to use you. His plan is to use us. But if we're in the flesh, he can't use us. That's why we need to be people of the Spirit. A great reminder, these men were men of the flesh, the men in our text. They rejected the grace of God. They rejected his mercy and his love, and they're experiencing his wrath back in our text, and I saw the beast, that's the Antichrist, the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse, who's that? Jesus. Jesus. And against his army, who's that? That's us. Can you see that picture? Please don't miss this picture. When Jesus comes back the second time, he's going to be on a white horse He's going to have a robe, king of kings and lord of lords, on his thighs, king of kings and lord of lords. He's going to be in front. We're following him. We're in our white garments, our linen white linen garments. We're not going to fight. We're just going to watch. And then we're going to see. We're going to go down closer. Hopefully, we've got better vision because my vision's not that good. But we're going to see these people, and they're fighting and all. They're going to see us, and they're going to start taking their weapons, and they're going to start shooting at us and at Jesus. Missiles. Rockets, tanks probably. You know, it's going to, it's going to, I believe this is what, this is not in the Bible. This is me. We're just going to be like, we're going to be like, really? They're really trying to kill Jesus? The creator of all things, the one that spoke life into existence, they're going to try to beat him? That's how warped they are. And that's quite possible. Listen, we're going to see, because we're going to be there on these horses, we're going to see probably the anger in their faces. There's like, ah, they're going to be like trying to kill. They're going to be like all mad and angry and. And we're just going to be coming back like, whoa, really? And we know what's probably, because it's in my thoughts right now, when I'm on the horse watching Jesus just wipe everybody out and do his thing, we're going to be like, whoa. I'm going to think, wow, thank you, I'm on the right side. But for the grace of God, there would I go right there. And the beast was captured. I'm going to love to see this part. That's the Antichrist. Antichrist. It means taken by force, literally. He's going to be taken by force, apprehended, the beast, the Antichrist. So we, it doesn't say exactly how. There's, he's probably going to call one of his little angels. God is going to just say, hey, get, that's the Antichrist. Get rid of him. False prophet, take hold of him. Get rid of him. He's captured with the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by, by which he deceived. Don't miss that word. Those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast. Can we say that together? alive, into the, the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. What a scene. We're going to see that. These two are going to be the very first two that will enter into the lake of fire. This is the first mention of the lake of fire in the Bible. It's a place, it's a final place for, for wicked people and those that reject the love of Christ that will go for all eternity. So they'll be the first two that go there. But check this out. Okay, so you've got the, the, the Antichrist and the false prophet. They're going to go there. But you know they're going to be there by themselves for 1,000 years, according to Scripture? Why? Because it's, it's going to take 1,000 years because Satan himself doesn't go there yet. Remember, he'll be bound for 1,000 years, and then he'll go into this lake of fire, right, to burn? But then the, the, the white throne judgment, a 1,000 years later will be the 1,000 years after this. The white throne judgment, those that are in this place called Hades, For those of you that maybe have not heard this before, I'll I'll do my best to explain it. When a Christian dies, when we die, the Bible says to be absent from the body means that we're gonna be in the presence of the Lord. Isn't that awesome? There's no uh, soul sleeping, I'm sorry. If you're a Seventh-day Adventist or one of those have believed that we're gonna soul sleep, there's no soul sleeping. We're going to go right into the presence of God in his presence forever and ever, right? But the unbeliever, Those that reject Christ, when they die, there's a place called Hades, a place where the unbeliever goes. It is a place of torment. My understanding of Scripture, different Scripture, there'll be different levels of torment that will take place depending on how wicked you were on the earth. You're going to be in a holding place. It's called Hades. At the white throne judgment, you'll be released. You'll you'll stand in the court of God, and you will be judged for the works that you did, basically being judged because you, you rejected Christ, and then you will be cast into the lake of fire, into this place that there'll be eternal torment. This is a place of eternal torment. Let me make this very clear. God does not want any of us to go there. And you might be thinking, oh, God is so." I thought God was a God of love. He is, but he's also a God of justice, meaning he's a good judge. What if you were to stand before a judge and somebody tormented your whole family? Let's say you stand before a judge and somebody came and killed your entire family and they... they caught this person red-handed they knew exactly who he was and he stands before the judge the judge looks at him and says and looks at you and you say "Y'all, oh, we want justice we want him to get locked up and the judge says you know i'm a i'm a loving judge i'm so sorry i can't hurt this guy I'm a, I'm a i'm a i'm a love judge everybody knows i just i'm a judge of love let him go what would that guy do he'd go kill more people no he's a guy of justice also You see, one paid the price for our sin. His name is Jesus Christ. He took the penalty. You see, that makes God a a just judge. The penalty was paid. His son, matter of fact, it cost this judge. Do you ever think of the fact, what it took for God the Father to stand in heaven and watching his son being brutally beaten without doing anything about it? Think of one of your children. If you saw one of your children being pulverized by a, a group of people, what would your reaction be? You would jump in, wouldn't you? You would try to save that person. And my question to you, think of that. The the God of all the universe could have just went like this with his fingers and stopped everything, but he, he allowed his son to die such a brutal death. Why? Because Jesus Christ died a brutal death to take away the sins of the world. And he allowed it. Don't tell me we have an unloving God. No, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him, they shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He is a loving God, but he's a God of justice. Sin must be dealt with. Evil must be dealt with. Interesting, the two witnesses that we read about, God's two witnesses on the earth that we read about, remember those two? They were taken, remember they were killed in the streets and they were left there and then they rose, they, they rose up? It tells us that the two were taken alive into heaven. Well, the devil's two witnesses on the earth, they're taken alive also but they're taken alive to eternal torment. Notice what the main crime was. Did you notice that? Deception. The beast was captured and the false prophet who worked signs of the presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. It was deception. Their main crime was they deceived the people into taking the mark. They deceived the people into worshipping an image. They, They were deceptive. And that's their main crime that's pointed out. Did you know that Satan's main crime, when he gets bound for a thousand years, it says he's, he's bound for a thousand years. Satan's bound for a thousand years. He's, he's put into the pit. Why was he put there? That he should deceive the nations no more. Deception. Matter of fact, when they let him out, and he, he deceives many, and he brings many at the, at the end of the thousand years, what's his main crime again? The devil who what? Deceived them. Was cast in the lake of fire. He's a deceiver. False prophet and the antichrist. Their their main crime was deception, deception, deception. Do you know that we're living in deception today? I believe deception is getting worse and worse. Last Sunday, a lady came up to me as you know outside. I ask if you want to come and say hi to me and, and meet me. I would love that, and I still offer that after the service. I'm outside. And the lady came up to me and said, hi, my name is so-and-so. She said, it's my first time here. And I said, oh, nice to meet you. And she says, you know, I love the teaching of the Word. She says, but um, I, I don't like the politics. And I said, well, explain that to me. She goes, you know, you know, the, the politics, the news articles you put up and all that stuff. And I said, yeah. And I says, can you show me anywhere in the Bible where it says that I'm not supposed to do that? Because believe me, I'm, I, I love the Bible. And I, you know, if the Bible tells me that, I won't do it. She goes, no, I just, I feel it in here. I go, really? I says well, you can't show me in the Bible because it doesn't say in the Bible. Matter of fact, I said, throughout the Bible, we see that uh, most everybody got involved in the political realm. And I named some names and asked some questions. And the more I asked her questions, the more upset she was getting with me. (laughs) And I says, well, let me put it to you this way. I said, actually, I'm upset with the pastors that don't engage in the culture. And I, and I tell you why, because we just read Satan is the deceiver, and he's deceiving everybody. And My challenge to her, my challenge to you, if you're, it's your first time here, those are watching online, my challenge to everyone is, where do you go to fight the deception? You go to your media? We should be laughing right about now. <laughs> Why? They don't know. They're not equipped. They're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe some that are in the media that are, you know, Christians that have the Holy Spirit, they can co- combat a little of this, but they're not really doing their job, are they? Or am I missing something? So you got that. Go to your universities. Should we go to the universities? That's where we find out uh, we defeat this, right? These great universities that were, were built on the gospel of Jesus Christ, Harvard and Princeton, and all these wonderful universities are, are places that just spew out. A lot of garbage. Go to the school, grade school, middle school, high school. Oh, Satan got the Bible thrown out of those places. If that wasn't enough, we'd get prayer out of there too. My challenge to everybody, where do we go? You should be able to go to the church. You should be able to hear truth from the church and they should be able to do their best to engage in the culture with the Bible, biblically speaking, not your opinion, not what I think, not what you think. It's not about Democrat. It's not about Republican. It's about the word of God. Who is standing for the Word of God, and who's standing up for truth? You see, the only one that can combat, combat Satan and his lies and the deception is God in the Word of God and the truth that comes from it. And shame on the pastors that don't teach the Word of God and engage in the culture. We're not here to you know, read the Bible just to read a Bible and some old stories that happened years ago. Uh, I, I thought the book of Revelation were supposed to have application, amen? Because there's a blessing when we apply it. How in the world can you apply it if we don't have, we don't apply it for today? We're to apply it for today. So I'll continue to do what I'm called to do, and I'll continue to do. Because I had people, I mentioned this first service, I had a bunch of people come up to me and say, Pastor, please don't stop what you're doing. Please, that's why I'm here. Please don't (laughs) stop what you're doing. I assured them. No, no, no. I'm, believe me. that's not. I'm not going to stop what I'm doing. Call it politics. Call it whatever you want to do. I call it getting engaged in our culture with truth because Satan is a liar. And the only way we can swim through this mess that we have here in this world is through the word of God. And pastors and teachers of the Bible should stand for what's true and call out what's not true. Amen? Amen. So with that being said, did you see that? <laughs> This is terrible. Taliban behead's junior volleyball player was part of the Afghan women's national team. This sweet little girl right here was beheaded by the Taliban. Why? Well, because I'll read it to you. It says they considered her an unbeliever for appearing unveiled and apparently rejecting their authority. So this young girl was beheaded by the Taliban. But we have a person here that calls them professional and candid. And, and also, so the administration praises them, the Taliban. Not only that, we're going to send money, all kinds of money over to Afghanistan, which I understand some of it's humanitarian, which is great, but part of that huge package that your taxpayer money is going towards, uh, at least 10% is going to go to the Taliban. Is that right? We'll, we'll look at the last verse and we'll close. Um, Call it what you want to call it, but we're to be people of truth. We have to stand up for what's right. We have to stand up for what's true. How do we know it's true? Only one way, it's through the Word of God. You can have 100 people up on this stage with 200 different opinions. I don't want to hear somebody's opinion. I want to know what the Word of God says. And I want to do it by rightly dividing the Word of truth. Many people come to you and say, Romans 13, Romans 13. Well, yeah, Romans 13, we obey the government when the government doesn't overstep their bounds. Once the government oversteps their bounds and tells us to do something that's unbiblical, then we say, no, we're going to obey God rather than man. Amen? Last verse, and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. That's Jesus when he comes and all the birds were filled with their what? Their flesh. The rest were killed. That's the rest that are in this battle of Armageddon. They don't get cast alive into the lake of fire. They die. They'll go into that holding place we talked about called Hades, and their judgment day will come when they stand before the white throne judgment. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, there's a judgment for us, but it's not the white throne judgment. It's called a Bema Seat type of a judgment. It's a place where we're going to go and stand before the Lord and we're going to be judged based on what we did here on this earth. And there'll be rewards for what we did. And there'll be losses for things that we didn't do. I want to encourage you when we stand before the Bema Seat of Christ, I want to encourage you, finish well. Finish well. What has God called you to do? Do it heartily as unto him. Well, I don't like, you might say, I don't like my boss, or I don't like this person. I don't like. That. Well, you know what helps quite a bit when you realize you're really serving God, you're not serving man? Because the Bible tells us in everything you do, no matter where God has called you, do it hardly as unto him and not to man. So be encouraged. Finish well by the power from on high, the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the grave lives in every one of us and times the Lord, mighty in battle. He's coming back with power and authority. He's coming back, and he's going to rule as king and priest, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Be encouraged as a Christian. Allow him to be Lord of your life. Allow him to be king over everything. Submit everything over to him and watch him work. And lastly, as we close, if you're not a Christian, please, today, make him the Lord of your life. Surrender your, Lord, surrender your life to his lordship. Surrender yourself to him. God loves you so much, so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die in your place. Believe it, receive it, and find out the wonderful plan he has for you because he created you and he has a plan for you. Hi, this is Pastor Joe, and I'd like to take a moment to personally invite you to one of our three services here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor in Huntington Beach. Our service times are 9 a.m., 1045 a.m., and 1230 p.m. Please come and say hi after the service. I would love to meet you. For more information, check out our website at ccoth.com. That's ccoth.com. God bless you.
0: You've been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettit and outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. Our new location is at 4121 Warner Avenue in Huntington Beach at the beautiful Huntington Harbor Marina. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.